0: That's the, the good news of the Gospel, is that God can meet us in the need that we might have on an occasion like this. In our personal relationship with God, we call God our Father. And Jesus taught us that that meant He's our Dad. And so there is great comfort of knowing that regardless of our experience with our earthly Dad, we have a Heavenly Father who's perfect knows just what to give us, knows just how to love us. He will never desert us. He will never forsake us. He knows exactly how to guide us and discipline us. The perfect dad. And and that's the hope we have in our Christian faith. And we also have the local church. The local church gives us meaningful and healthy experiences with men to be enough for our fathers and and who who are old enough to be our fathers and with children who are young enough to be our children. And so we can rejoice together today in the life of the local church, that we can have healthy relationships of one generation sharing with another generation, just as dads nurture their own children. And so that's what I'd like to encourage us to do today. As I think of the message that I have for you today, is an opportunity for us as men of all ages to recognize that we can either look up to a mature, godly man as an example and be inspired, or we as men can look to a younger child, a younger person, a youth group, maybe a younger dad who is just starting out in life and marriage and coming alongside that, that young man and mentoring him and encouraging him and strengthening him in his own Christian faith. And so today we we want to honor our dads, but more importantly, we want to honor men. And we want to challenge men today to take up the mantle of influencing, uh, influencing a younger generation or being willing to put ourselves under the mentorship of an older man and be influenced by one who would be an experienced, godly man. And I'd like to do that today with an example from the Old Testament. And so please join with me in prayer as we think about this opportunity. Father, now use your word to guide and direct us. Thank you for the privilege we have of being in the body of Christ. Where we love one another. Where we have meaningful opportunities in all generations. Looking up to those who have gone before us. And pouring our lives into those who are coming to carry on after us. Lord, use this time and the life of one of your choice servants to inspire us. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Protect us from anything that is not from you. And that which is, may it find fertile ground in our hearts, take root and grow for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. i like us to consider a very famous race horse, Secretariat. You remember Secretariat back in 1973 was a triple crown winner of the the three historic races that thoroughbreds race uh, over the beginning of the summer or spring and into the summer. Secretariat began his career of a winning uh, horse in the Kentucky Derby. And as you look at the news of the Kentucky Derby, you'll find that Secretariat started the race last out of the gate. But in the first quarter mile, he gained on the field. And in the second quarter mile, he gained further, racing faster in the second quarter than he did in the first. And in the third quarter mile, he took the lead, Uh, completing the third quarter mile faster than he did the second. And in the fourth quarter mile, he surged ahead, completing the fourth quarter mile faster than the third. And his finish time was a record that continues to stand until today. So Secretariat went on to the Preakness. And in the Preakness, almost the exact same thing happened. He was last out of the gate, he gained on the field, overcoming the field, and establishing a winning time again in record fashion that still stands today. But people who doubted Secretariat said, ah, but now the Belmont Stakes is coming up. That's a mile and a half. That's longer Secretariat can sprint for a mile, but can he sprint for a mile and a half? Does he have what it takes to go the distance? So the day of the Belmont Stakes came. And this time Secretariat was not last out of the gate. He began strong. And it wasn't long until he began to surge ahead. And then something very interesting happened that has never happened before. He distanced himself from the field. And by the last mile, he was ahead. And for the last half a mile, he surged continually ahead, finishing 36 lengths ahead of the field, exhibiting an endurance that was unparalleled in the life of a racehorse, establishing a record in the Belmont Stakes, again, that stands today. Well, Secretariat was immediately retired at the end of 1973. And uh, for the next 16 years, he was put out to pasture. And in 1989, 16 years later, he caught a very serious disease that took his life. And the historic career of Secretariat was over. But as happens with all thoroughbred champions... Secretariat's body was sent to a lab for an autopsy. And when the veterinary doctors did an autopsy on Secretariat, what they discovered was astounding. They discovered that the heart of Secretariat was almost twice the size of any heart they had ever seen from a thoroughbred racehorse. It was not a diseased heart. It was just huge. <laughs> and because it was such a huge heart, Secretariat could run fast for a long time because he had a big heart. And I'd like for us to think today, what does it make take for a man to be a man of influence? I'd like to suggest to you today that men who positively influences others, are men with big hearts for God. Men who follow God with their whole heart. When our wives and children see a man sold out to God, who follows Him with their whole heart, they'll see an influencer. When people in a local church and in a community see men who are sold out to God with big hearts for him, they'll see men of influence. They'll see significantly significant men who make a difference in their world. So today I want to look at a man from the Old Testament who had a huge heart for God. And the application will be appropriate for the day which we're observing today. It's appropriate across the board with any man who might aspire, aspire to be an influencer in life. So let's explore the life of Caleb, the man with a huge heart for God. I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Numbers chapter 13 and 14. And there we'll see the story of this remarkable man. You'll remember that the story begins with Israel standing at the border of the promised land. And they sent spies out to spy out the land. And so they picked the best of each tribe and sent 12 men into the promised land to spy out this land that God had called them to occupy. And so for 40 days, they observed the people and the fruit of the land and they came back and they gave a report to the congregation. And as they gave their report to the congregation, we found two types of men. One type of men who are positive influencers and other types of men who were negative influencers. And I'd like to look, first of all, at those who negatively influence those around them. And that's with the ten spies who came back and they said, No, we can't do it. This is what a negative man, a man with a small heart for God, a man who is a negative influencer on others does beginning with chapter 13 with verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, This land we explored devours those living in it. All the people who saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Enoch from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. That was their negative report. And here's the effect that their negative report, their small heart for God, had on the people. Numbers 14, verses 1 to 4. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud, the Bible says all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us be to fall by the sword? Our wives and our children would be taken into plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back. Now, these ten spies who spread this negative report influenced negatively on these people. First of all, these people developed an unbelieving spirit, they didn't believe God. This was their reaction it can't be done. God may have told us to do it, but God is wrong. Because of these men with feeble hearts for God. They said the land devours its inhabitants. The people are of a great height. The task is simply too great, they said. Men, how often do we feel like that in life? God gives us an assignment. Maybe your child or your grandchild has a handicap or some form of illness, mental illness, physical illness. Maybe you're stuck in some habit and the price to get out of it just seems like, I can't do it. Maybe you're considering throwing in the towel on your marriage, walking away from your family. Everyone around you says, give up! You can't do it! Don't waste your time with this Christianity thing. It's too hard. God's Word assures us that if God leads us, He will keep us. If He gives us an assignment, He will help us succeed. If we encounter a problem, He'll give us the strength to overcome. The question is very simple. Do you believe God or not? A negative report harbors and creates an unbelieving spirit. The second thing this negative report did was it gave them a despairing spirit. These people lost hope when they began to despair of life itself. The Hebrew people were rescued from Egypt by God's miraculous hand, but yet they were crying about their situation. The bravest from each tribe, the cream of the cream leaders, stand out verses... We seemed like grasshoppers and so we seemed to them. Now, when a person falls into despair, all rationality is gone. They could truthfully know their own thoughts. We felt like grasshoppers. But they had no idea what the Canaanites were feeling. They didn't even know they were there. Yet, an irrational thought came over them. Well, they looked at us and they looked like they said, well, we're grasshoppers to them. Irrational. All because of the negative thought from these ten tribes. Oh, that we could have died in the wilderness. Now we're going to be struck down by the swords of our enemies. Our wives and our little children will be devoured. And this negative report also created a proud and rebellious spirit against God. Eventually, they devised their own plan because they knew better than God. Their conclusion? Let's go back. Go back and live in the past. Let's just go back to Egypt. Here's the desire to retreat back into what was comfortable for them. And when people who are unbelieving and despairing they they lose all hope, let's let's just stay where we are or let's just go back because venturing into the unknown too scary. We can't do it. I remember there was a man that I was working with, just got out of prison, started coming to our church. He was really struggling with building his new life and he had been in prison because of addictions. And he came to me and he asked me, he says, Scott, he says, it's too hard to live on the outside. I don't have what it takes. I think I want to break the law again and go back inside because there at least I know my routine. And it was hard for him to, to, to venture out into the unknown. It was too easy to go back. And these ten spies... They engendered within the life of the congregation a spirit that spread throughout the whole congregation. Unbelief. Despairing. Wanting to go back. That's how to be a negative influencer. And you know, God judged the people. God said to the people, everyone 20 years and older, will die in the wilderness. And it will be the children, the younger generation, that will occupy the land. And so the people waited for 40 years. And the younger generation went into the promised land. That's what happens with a negative influence. That's what happens with people who have a small heart for God. But then we have the one that I want to talk about today. His story is found in Numbers chapter 14. Here's how to be a positive influencer. And this is what Caleb did. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it you see what it says there? Caleb followed God with his whole heart. He had a heart for God that was huge. And because it was big, because it was full, because it was sold out to God, he became an influence on the congregation. Listen to what a man with a whole heart does. First, a man with a whole heart for God has exceptional faith. Listen to what Caleb said. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let's go up at once and occupy it, for we will be able to overcome it, he said. Brethren, I want to challenge us. Do not despair and retreat in your Christian life church do not retreat and despair in our church life. It may be that those before you um, lived a life that was easy and it seemed as though everything was going well but you have got you have got a challenge before you that just seems we can't do it. have a heart for God. have an exceptional faith. Maybe before you were married and had children, it seemed like life was so easy. But now it's hard. Maybe that things happened that changed your preferred future. You had everything mapped out for how everything was going to go. This was going to happen, and then this was going to happen, and then this was going to happen. And then life caught up with you, and now your preferred future is but a whisper in the wind. It may be that you are, you are looking forward to something and you just don't know what it is. But if you're sold out to God, if you've got a faith like Caleb who said, we can do it! We can do it! God is with us! And you're wholeheartedly sold out to God. Our marriages are worth the effort. Our families are worth fighting for. Our community is worth fighting for. Our church is worth fighting for. See, these people in Israel were standing at the precipice of a new life, but they had an unbelieving and despairing and rebellious spirit because the influencers that they were looking up to brought them a negative report and had an ordinary, so-so, non-existent faith. Caleb, on the other hand, had an exceptional faith. We can do it, he said. But not only that, Numbers 14, 7 tells us he had an exceptional vision. Listen to the context of verse 7. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to the congregation of the people, The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land. For they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Caleb said, I've got a vision for these, this land. I see this land. It's, it's a wonderful land. The future is fertile for us. you examine the lives of people who make a difference for God, those who follow Him with their whole heart have a common denominator in their lives. That is, they have a vision of where they're going. They have a vision of where they're going. You see, people are willing to invest in a vision. No one wants to join a sinking ship. Everyone wants to get on board a ship that's going someplace. People are willing to sacrifice for a vision. That doesn't mean a new future is better than the old past. It doesn't mean that at all. It's just new. It's just different. Because that's what God does. The Bible says His mercies are what? New every morning. God wants to do new things among us. That doesn't mean the things of the past were bad or that they weren't remarkable. I've, I've been here for seven months and I've learned our past is remarkable. Our former pastor was remarkable. Amazing man. The things that were accomplished during His ministry were, were awesome. But in God's providence, we now face a new future. not mean it's a better future. By far, it's not. It's just it's new. And God wants us to have a vision for, for what's going on in the future. What does He want to do tomorrow? What does He want to do next year? What does He want to do in the year ahead? God wants us to be like Caleb and have a vision. The future is an exceedingly good future, Caleb would say to us. God brought Caleb in to spy the land and he saw potential. He saw the possibilities. Gentlemen, let me ask you a question Do you have a vision for your family? What's your vision for your marriage? What are your strengths and weaknesses as a couple? And how are you going to address them? How are you going to nurture the strengths? How are you going to overcome the weaknesses? Do you have a plan? Do you have a vision? Have you thought about that? What about your children? Do you have a vision for each one of your children? Because each one of them is different. I hope you have a vision that's unique to each child. Each one is different and unique. Do you have a vision for them? How are you praying for them? Maybe you've already launched your children. Okay, what's your vision as an adult parent to your adult children? How are you praying for them? Are you praying for your grandchildren? What's your vision for your grandchildren? Have you thought about that? God, give me a vision for these kids. you will always be their parents. Do you have a vision for them? God has given some of us, actually all of us, a great opportunity to pour our lives into the lives of the children of our community. We have children that come to our fun club that need strong male influence. Men, do you you have a vision for these kids when they come on Wednesday nights? Have you thought about maybe... A vision for one of those families and how you might be able to serve them and love them? Have you thought about how to pray specifically for these kids? Do you have a vision for the future? Caleb was a man of vision. And here's where he got his faith and his vision. He got it as a heart for God. The Bible says that God's love is the source of faith and vision. Verse 8, Caleb says, The Lord delights in us. Do you know how God loves you? Do you know how God sacrificed for you? And if He loved you, the Bible says, if He loved us so much to give us His own Son, how would He not also give us all things? God loves you. So as you bask in the love of God, your heart for Him will grow and your faith and your vision for life will grow. Secondly, Caleb reminded the people of God's power. He said their protection is removed from them. We don't need to fear the enemy. We have we have serious enemies of the Christian faith stemming from the aggression of the spiritual forces of darkness that are that are focusing against us and attacking Christians not only in the United States but around the world. Caleb reminds us that God has has provided for us and that, that He will he will he will he will give us all that we need and provide for us by His grace and His strength. He says, these people will be bred for us. Now, there are some who are wondering about the, uh, the morality of uh, Israel occupying the promised land. Um, without going too much into it, Israel was an instrument of judgment on the debase, immorality, licentious, blasphemous, rebellious culture of those who occupied the land. It's kind of like the flood The flood was a judgment on the world. Israel was a judgment on the people of Canaan. But when they went into the promised land, they occupied their houses. They reaped the fruit from their vineyards. They lived in their cities, all by God's provision. Caleb said, these people are bread for us. And then finally, he said, by His power, their protection is removed from them. The Bible tells us that, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. We have nothing to fear. God will provide for us, and then He will give us His power. And so, Caleb's response a man of faith, a man of vision. This is what he said. Let's go! (laughs) Let's go right now! Let's do it! Let's move forward! You know, churches are full of men who come on Sundays and are visible. But Monday through Saturday, they're invisible. I don't perceive that here. I see here men who are involved, who are loving, who are serving. Let's continue to move forward. Let's continue to exhibit a strong faith. Let's continue to exhibit a strong vision. Let's continue to be men in in a church that is saying, I want to make a difference. I want to be a positive influence. Caleb is an example of a man with exceptional vision, exceptional faith man with exceptional faith and exceptional vision who followed God with his whole heart. Recognizing God's love and His provision and His power. And then he said, let's go. I want to close today with some studies that are out there in secular culture that talk about how a man with a positive influence can make a difference in the world. These studies show that even from birth, children who are involved, have an involved father, or have an involved man, mentor, or grandparents, role model, are more likely to emotionally secure, to be a confident, to explore their surroundings. And as they grow they will have a better connection with their peers. Children who grow up around a strong male influencer are less likely to get in trouble with at home, in school, and in their neighborhood. These children and infants receive high levels of affection from their fathers and significant men in their their homes, explore their environment more comfortably as an adult, and they readily accept comfort from that adult for a brief, after a brief separation. A number of studies suggest that they also are more sociable and popular with other children throughout early childhood because of the influence of a man in their life. One study of school aged children found that children with good relationships with their fathers and male role models were less likely to experience depression to exhibit disruptive behavior or to lie. They were more likely to exhibit pro-social behavior. This same study found that boys with involved fathers and mentors had fewer school behavior problems and that the girls had stronger self-esteem because of the role of a strong, influencing man. they were less likely to experience depression, to exhibit disruptive behavior, to have good physical and emotional health, to achieve academically, and to avoid drugs and violence and disruptive behavior. Because of a man, and as a Christian man who was wholeheartedly Sold out to God. That man can run a race. And his heart being sold out to God, big, wholeheartedly sold out and following after God, will win that race and be an influencer for the Lord Jesus Christ with exceptional faith and exceptional vision. Gentlemen, as you leave today, we have, we have little bags of encouragement for you that we'd like you, each one of you to take home as our gift to you. As we think about Father's Day, but think about it as the opportunity to be a man who influences the way that Caleb tried to influence. And as we think about this influence that we can have in our world today, You know, we can say that our church will be blessed, our family will be blessed, and our community will be blessed. And we'll have a happy Father's Day every day of the year. Be an influencer. Have a heart for God is our challenge. Father in Heaven, we have a great opportunity. One that one that's bigger than probably ever before, to be men who influence. We know we can't do it in our own strength, whether it be in our homes, whether it be in our church, whether it be in our community. Lord, maybe you've called one or two men here to really make a difference in their world and to step out and do something audacious for you. I pray that you'd give them a heart for you, that they follow after you wholeheartedly, like Caleb did. That they would have a heart that would take them on the race of life, where they would they would separate from the pack, and make a difference for you. Lord, I pray for the men in our church that we would have a vision for how we might influence those who are coming after us. And maybe there's some who are saying, I want a man to influence me. Pray, Lord, you'd give us the heart of Caleb and to say, it's time to move. It's time to be a man of action. God, thank you for a day that we can, we can remind men of the significant opportunity that they have. God, we rejoice at what you will do For your honor and for your glory we pray. In Jesus' name.